0: Porch, how are we doing? Welcome to my friends tuning in online at our Porch Live locations. We have tonight Porch Live, Des Moines, Porch, Boise, Idaho, and Porch H-Town, Houston, Texas. And of course, my friends in the room in Dallas tonight, welcome to the Porch. We are taking a break from any series tonight and you guys got me in a one-off message. But before we get to that, uh, if y'all don't know, When I teach, David usually takes the night off to be with his family and his kids. He's up here every Tuesday. And so he takes that time or tonight, like night instances like tonight, he's speaking at a youth camp and he always, every single time, and he loves the porch so much, he gets up on Wednesday and he watches the message. And so he's listening right now. And he's probably surprised that I'm talking about him right now and I'm talking behind his back because I, he would never ask me to do this, but I wanna celebrate Demarv tonight. And I wanna honor that man because, <laughs> wait, wait, we have a few things to celebrate. Number one, I don't know if you know this, but tonight, and if you don't know, David Marvin is the director here at The Porch, okay? He's, I'm, the, I'm like the, the, the second at bat and he's the home run, okay? And so David has been leading and serving here at The Porch for 12 years today. And so, I mean, David, thank you. Thank you for neglecting hobbies and family and so many different things. I mean, you love your family, but sometimes, you know, you need to be here and different things. So you can pour into the young adults of this generation and, and we take that serious and we have so much gratitude. The second thing I want to bring you guys attention is our fearless leader, David Marvin, is about to be an author and he <laughs> is releasing his first book called, "Drum Roll," We're All Freaking Out and Why We Don't Need To. And this book is all about the topic of anxiety and mental health and depression and how it has just plagued our generation and how we as Christians are meant to be called to have a life marked by peace. And he takes this book and he gives us practical wisdom principles founded in God's word of how we can fight anxiety, fight depression. And so tonight, and for those listening exclusively, you get a special thing where you get to, next slide please, Get this QR code, everyone phones out right now. Get this QR code and you can pre-order the book and make sure that you claim yours. And guys, David, I'm telling you, we believe in this resource. He spent hours and hours writing this book because he believes in you guys. And so we believe in it. So pre-order, can all of you get it? Is it reaching up there? Good, it's up there, you good? Balcony, I love the balcony. You guys don't get enough love up there. You guys rock. So, use that. I want to keep it up long enough. I think we're good. But pre-order, it'll also be up on his Instagram, I'm pretty sure. But pre-order, we're all freaking out today. DMarv, we love you. We honor you. And we're so thankful. Can y'all give it up for David one more time? I'm so excited to watch how this book just impacts people all over the world. And where that book is the perfect setup, because where that book is all about the battle of the mind, tonight... When we, when David allows me to do this one-off messages, he pretty much just says, hey, what has God like just been putting on your heart recently? Like, what are you excited about? What just pours out of you? What makes you come alive? And tonight I'm talking about not just the battle of the mind, but the battle that you and I and every single one of us are in. I wanna talk about something I'm very passionate about. And it's the topic of spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. And some of you might not know what that means. Spiritual warfare, basically, if you look in books in the Bible, like Ezekiel and Isaiah and Revelation, in those books, we learn kind of like in the beginning of the world, God created the heavens and the earth, and he filled the heavens with angels that were supposed to bring him glory. But there was one angel that was known as Lucifer. We now know him as Satan. He was actually described as the most beautiful of all the angels. And because of that, he let his pride get to him. And he wanted to elevate himself over God. He wanted to be like God. And so because of that, God said, I had enough. He casted him down. And there was about a third of the angels that who we now call Satan took with him. And they're what we refer to as demons. And the Bible talks about, whether you're aware of this or not, that you and I, every single day are in a war. We are in a battle that we call spiritual warfare, that there is this spiritual realm all around us that if right now I could ask God, please don't God, but to reveal to us the war going on, I mean, we would just head running for the hills because the reality is, is there is an enemy and his name is Satan. And every single day he has a mission and I am passionate about my friends and my generation knowing about what he's setting out to accomplish. And I'm even more passionate about them knowing what God wants to accomplish through them in light of that. And so that's what we're gonna talk about tonight. And we're gonna do that by looking at the book of Ephesians chapter six, if you wanna turn there. I'm gonna read the entire passage. I'm gonna pray for us. And we're gonna get started and see what Paul has to say about this topic of spiritual warfare, writing to the church of Ephesus as he is imprisoned, shackled in chains to a Roman soldier in Rome. It's powerful stuff. And I wanna say this right now. Satan hates this message. He doesn't want this message to take place tonight because his greatest weapon is your lack of awareness that he exists. There's a quote, as I was studying from John Nicola that says, the devil's greatest asset is the doubt people have about his existence. The devil's greatest asset is the doubt that people have about his existence. And so he will do anything in this moment to distract you, to have someone text you, to have thoughts from your day, that crazy hectic day you had crossed your mind. He wants to do anything he can in this moment to keep you from hearing this message tonight. And so I ask you to pay attention And let's learn from Paul in Ephesians chapter six. So here we go. Verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Tonight, I'm gonna call this message, this is how we fight our battles, with this scripture right here, but let me pray first. Father, I ask right now, in the name of Jesus, in his mighty and matchless name, that you would push out any force of evil that would wanna hinder this message. I pray right now, Jesus, that you would come and you would move in our hearts. Holy Spirit, would you come and have your way on your sons and daughters? I pray if there are scales covering eyes tonight that they would fall off right now. If there are things plugging the ears to keep people from hearing of your love and goodness, would you remove it? If there's any distractions, Would you take it away? We invite you, Holy Spirit, and in your power and in your authority to come and speak. If there's anything that's not of you tonight, would you get rid of it? Would you be glorified? It's your name that I pray, amen. I remember I was in sixth grade and my dad took me and some guys to this ranch out in, what's it called? Talco, Texas, the middle of nowhere. I don't even know where it's at in the map, honestly. And we are in these woods and he took me hunting. We went hunting. Normally when you go hunting in the evening, you hunt until literally you can't see anything. And then in the dark of the night, it's just absolutely terrifying, especially when you're like sixth grade, you walk back to your truck. And so as normal, I had been hunting a few times with my dad, but I'd never been hunting in this place, Talco, Texas. I'd never been hunting on this ranch. And so I wasn't really aware of my surroundings. I didn't really know what's going on, but I just know that my dad knew the way to the truck. So I'm trusting him and I'm walking and I'm stepping on leaves and I'm being all loud. I'm not caring about anything. And eventually I hear out of nowhere, this piercing, I'm talking piercing, what sounds like a scream from a woman near me. And I'm like, uh, and like, you know, like Shaggy, when he jumps in like Scooby-Doo's arms, (laughs) like, that's what I did to my dad. And I'm like, what, what was that? And I'm thinking like, he's going to tell me some lady or whatever. And he looks at me and he tells me, I don't want to freak you out, but on this property, they have told us that there are mountain lions and they scream. And I'm like, we got screaming mountain lions in this mug? Like, what are you talking about? And I was like, they climbed trees, they got night vision and suddenly, boom, everything about my pursuit to the truck changed. I was walking faster. I was more aware. I was more alert. You got my 20. I'm like looking around, like, I mean, I am, I am looking everywhere, searching. And I start there because once my dad made me aware that there was a prowling enemy around. Everything changed about my journey. I'm talking, I became more alert. I start looking for him. My awareness changed my journey in radical ways. And I start there because like I said earlier, I think so many of us go about our day to day and we are unaware that we are in a war. We don't really care that we are on the battlefield. We don't really even know about our enemy. And because of that, we are susceptible to his attacks. We are susceptible to when he lies to us. And you've been searching and longing and looking and desperate. And you haven't found life and you have experienced true life because you haven't even known that someone's taking it from you. And so tonight we're gonna just start off in this text and Paul's gonna tell us, hey, if you're gonna win the war in spiritual warfare, you have to understand, learn, and know your enemy because he has taken time to learn and know you. And here's how he says to do that. Just look at the text. In knowing your enemy, he says that we have to put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Most wars are lost because the enemy outwitted their opponent. Like think about the Trojan horse. They're like marching in. They're like, oh look, a great gift of a big horse. And then kicks down the walls and charge and everyone dies because they weren't aware of what was taking place. They weren't aware of what the enemy was doing. And most wars are lost because the enemy in some way outwitted, outsmarted their opponent. I was talking to a friend yesterday. And he was like, what are you talking about? And I was telling him about this idea of how Satan, we see, and you're going to see here in the the scriptures, we see that Satan studies us and he does whatever he can to attack when we're most vulnerable. And so how we as Christians have to know him. We have to search God's word and study him so that way we can get on the offense. We can get ahead of him. And he's a quarterback. And he looked at me and he was like, JD, that's like my entire job. Like, sure, yeah, I'm on the offense on Saturday when I'm in the game. It's like 10% of my job though. Monday through Friday, I am watching film. I am studying my opponent. I I have no chance of winning this game if I don't study my opponent. And they make him go and study every single down and watch every different play and every different formation. And they had to even get into the personal details of their life. They have to learn about who they're dating. They have to learn about what they don't like, who they voted for, Trump or Biden. I mean, they have to learn all these different things they can mess with them and use it against them in the game. I mean, it is absolutely insane. He was just talking to me about, the reason why I have to do that is because they're doing it against me. They're coming to attack me in the game. And I have no chance of winning if I don't understand my opponent's tactics. That's the same for you and I. Paul is saying here, if you don't take time to wake up and realize that you have an enemy and learn him and know him and get ahead of him, you are gonna be susceptible to him every single time. And you will lose the war. You'll lose the daily battle. You'll you'll, you'll lose the fight against him. And so he says here in the first thing that you do is that you put on the armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil, the schemes of the devil. We see that since the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 3, when God created man and woman and wanted them to dwell with them and gave them everything, we see that Satan was very crafty. It says in Genesis three, that that beast, that the serpent, Satan was more crafty than any other animals that the Lord God had made. And he comes down and he just uses his craftiness to twist the words of God. You've heard the story before where he tells them, did God really say? And the reason why I say that he's crafty and not creative is because Satan has had the same play since the very beginning. He wants the same thing for you and I that he wanted for Adam and Eve. He's not very creative. He has one goal, to get you to doubt God's goodness. He doesn't want you to trust that God is actually for you. That's his play. Everything that you do in your life that you choose other than God is because something in you did not believe in that moment that God was actually good or God was actually worth it. In that moment, your sins seemed more appetizing than God because Satan tricked you, he's crafty. He's not creative, however, he's crafty. He schemes. He looks for the right opportunity. He learns you. He studies us. He waits for when you're most susceptible to attack. And I want you to realize that when you think about the craftiness of Satan, I'm not talking about the person that's out here like murdering people. I'm not talking about the person that's out here just like, I mean, I can't help but think about the little Nos video with like, you know what I'm talking about if you've seen it. Don't watch it. But... We laugh and joke. And like basically in this video, he just talks about how he has given himself over to Satan and he, like, you know, he likes hell, hell's fun. And there's so many people that are like, man, I guess I'm gonna be in hell with Satan. I might as well smoke a blunt now. And first off to you, I'd say you better watch yourself because that's not hell. Hell is a place of torment and you won't be smoking a blunt in hell. But <laughs> that wasn't in my notes. <laughs> Porch Twitter tonight's like, and you won't be smoking a blunt in hell, (laughs) at J.D. Rogers. (laughs) But think about this. Satan is so crafty that why would he go over and like worry and give his time and attention to someone who's living for him? He doesn't need to. And I think we think, oh, Satan's clearly on that person. Look at how bad they're living. No, he's after you. He comes after the good. He hates that you're here right now. He hates that you're hearing this. He's coming after you. And it's not often in the ways that you think. He's coming in the secret. He's coming in the quiet. And it's a slow fade that he draws you out of that intimate relationship with God. And he gets you comfortable. And he he has you settle in what was once a thriving intimate relationship. Like think about your relationship with God right now. Do you thirst for time with him? Like, do you talk to him? Are you comfortable? When's the last time you shared your faith? When's the last time you felt on mission for God and a purpose and a sense of wonder that he would call you his son and his daughter? Satan comes for the Christian. He comes for the person who's interested. Some of you and I are here because you're curious you found yourself in a bad place and he's going to do whatever he can to keep you there. Cause that's what he does, but he's going to do it in the most craftiest way. So be alert, watch film, study your opponent. A way that we study our opponent is we read the word of God. And as I read about Satan and as I learn about spiritual warfare, here's some obvious things I see that Satan does to make sure that we do not know, that he is attacking us. First, we see here in verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle and we fight and wage war against a spiritual realm. That means that Satan is supernaturally in your superficial problem but he makes it superficial. He makes it flesh and blood. He's a master illusionist. He's a magician. Everyone knows that a good magician, after the end of their trick at the grand finale, everyone stands on their feet and they're like, how did he do it? I was watching the whole thing. I was right there. I touched it. How did it? How did that happen? And everyone knows that the best illusionists are the people that can get you to focus all your energy here. Because if you focus all your energy here, you are not seeing a sleight of hand here. And if he can get you to focus and make you think that that person's your problem, that that situation's your problem, that that sin is your problem, that that relationship is your problem, that that church hurt is your problem. If he can get you to focus on that social media post or whatever it is and divide you and create chaos in your life, he's winning. And the whole time he's just masterfully hiding himself back here. He's a master illusionist. The division we see today in our culture is because people don't believe this verse. The division we see across churches today and why churches don't feel safe for a lot of people is because churches stopped believing in this verse. The reason why racism exists today is because people stopped believing in this verse. There is an enemy who is seeking to divide man because he knows that when we are most unified, God is most glorified. Therefore he makes it his mission to divide us and he's good at it. Who in your life is he pulling you from? What roommate situation? I mean, for me, it's like the dishes. I'm like, you couldn't have just, you know. And, <laughs> and then suddenly that person walks in, they've had a great day. And they're like, what's up, man? Hey and then suddenly they do the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And the meanwhile, they're just living their life and you're over here bitter and upset and you're missing out on all the fun because Satan has deceived you. He's planted those thoughts in your head. He's planted those lies in your head. He's kept you from resolving that conflict because he wants you alone. He wants you isolated because when he can go like the lion he is, 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be watchful, be sober-minded, be aware, be alert because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And we know that lions go after the sick. Lions go after the weak. Lions go after the separated or the baby, the one away from the herd. And so the reason why he's passionate about dividing is because if he can get you isolated and alone, you are susceptible, you are vulnerable. And that is when he attacks. And so do whatever it takes to be unified. Do whatever it takes to resolve conflict, keep short accounts, run to your brother and sister. Don't run from them. Talk it out, hug it out, love it out. Sure will. Good. <laughs> tonight. something you need to get on the phone tonight and call someone and say, I'm sorry for blank. Another way that scripture says that he attacks is he disguises. He's a master of disguise. He makes you believe that he is giving you something that is life filled and really it only leads to death. Second Corinthians eleven fourteen 14 says, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. He makes you think that it's beautiful, that this is a good thing, that this is helping you. He's masterful at it and really it's hurting you. That bad relationship that all your friends have told you, I don't know if I go back to that. Oh, but they don't know him. They don't know him like I do. Like he has this sweet sensitive side that only he shows me, it's like really cute. And you know, like, you know, he doesn't love God. And Satan's like, hey, but you could like help him with that. You could pull him closer to God. And he like convinces you of like, man, like when y'all are together, it's a good thing. Yeah, it produces a lot of hurt. And yeah, y'all are like crossing boundaries like you said you wouldn't. And all these different things that have caused like emotional damage and harm and all this stuff. But I mean, come on, this is a good thing. And he disguises bad things as life-filling things because he's a master disguiser. And he disguises himself as an angel of light. He deceives, he takes truth and he twists them into lies. He knows that if you will believe lies about people, about yourself, about God, he has you where he wants you. John eight forty four says this, Satan was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. He will tell you things like, Hey, like you don't need to go to church. Like God is your church. Like at home, like set up the screen and like, you can watch online. Like you don't need people, isolation, attack. He'll tell you, Hey, you don't need to like talk to people about that problem or that sin, like go to your room and like, just talk to God about it. And, and like, cause if, if you tell people like, what will they think? And they will like, they don't want to be around you. That's too gross. And he knows that if you were to tell them, all they have is a loving embrace like your father does. And he doesn't want to experience your father's love through them. So he tells you, keep that. Don't tell that part. Don't you, don't, don't tell that. And he tells you that lie, where we know that the Bible says the truth will set you free. He wants to keep you bound, hidden, dark, isolated. He's a deceiver. So check yourself, ask yourself, where am I life? Hey, it's just a little insert. It's just every now and then. It's not that big of a problem. I don't have to, hey, everyone chill out. I don't have to tell anyone. Like it's just like once every two months. And if you give Satan an inch, he will take a mile. And those things are controlling your life, whether you like it or not. And so come into the light, be truthful. And don't believe the deceiver's lies. The last way we see is that he destroys. He takes a life that is meant for fullness and does everything he can to destroy it. John ten ten says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come, Jesus says, that you may have life and life to the full. I believe that I meet so many people who call themselves Christians. I fall into this. And I see them and I'm like, really? Is this all Christianity is? Because I I don't feel any different. And if you've met Christ and you call yourself a Christian and your life looks no different, I would ask you, have you actually met Christ? Because when I read the Bible, I see that when you get Christ, you get a new spirit. The old dies and the new comes, you're born again. And because of that, you begin to die to your flesh and live for Christ. And out of that comes all of this abundance and fruit and life and adventure and joy and peace and patience and kindness and all these different things begin to mark your life. And suddenly all these other things that once defined you, no longer define you. It's just the blood of Jesus that defines you, which gives you freedom to be confident all in Jesus. But Satan will do anything to take the fullness that Jesus offers and destroy you. Why? Because he knows the end of the story. He knows that though we're in a battle today and he's been given a little bit of authority on earth, he knows how the war ends. And he knows that one day Jesus is gonna return and damn him to hell forever. And he wants to bring down everyone he can. No one likes being miserable alone, not even Satan. And his mission is, it says here, John 10:10, 10, 10, the thief comes only, only to steal and kill and destroy. What does only mean? Only. That's what it means. It's like this. Imagine this. God be with me. Imagine. Imagine. Yeah, yeah. One time I learned this because I was doing some skit and they were like, you need to be able to juggle. And I'm like, what the? I go around the back, I learn it and then I'm like juggle now every now and then. And so, okay. The reason why I dropped those balls is because I'm not a juggler, okay? I got other things to do. I got things to live for, okay? (laughs) But imagine if my only point of existence was to juggle. Like imagine I was like, you know, born, my parents bring me home. They like put these tennis balls in my crumb. They're like, you, you're gonna change the world. Like you're gonna be <laughs> the best circus act in all of the, you're gonna be worldwide, Mr. Worldwide, going around juggling like, and if that was my mission and my only sense of purpose for all of my life from the age of like, what, I don't know, when, when can you start five, five to like 27, I'd be up here with chainsaws. I'd be up here with fire. I'd be up here like hitting cartwheels and back handsprings while juggling. I'd be able to do all of this stuff because it was my only purpose in life. But I dropped the balls and all that because I have a lot of other stuff to do. You, you don't have just one thing that you're called to do. Your attention is divided in so many different ways. But Satan, since the beginning of time, since Genesis, since before that, when God kicked him out of heaven, his only job has been to steal and take and destroy mankind's life. Imagine how good he is at it. Imagine how masterful he is at knowing when that heartbreak anniversary hits for you. Imagine when he knows when the death of that family member and that day comes. I know August 5th is coming for me. My dad died only six years. And I know that day I have to get ready for battle because Satan's coming for me. Because on that day, something's in my mind, no matter how much I read, how much I know, something in me is gonna tell me that God isn't good because my dad died of cancer. And that's Satan. And you know yours. You know when you're most susceptible. He's masterful. He knows when to attack. He knows when you're gonna drive home and you know you shouldn't go home alone. You know you shouldn't be in the room alone with that laptop or that technology device. He knows it. And he watches you do it. And right when you get in that room, boom, a wave of temptation to look at that thing you said you'd never look at again. He is a master at destroying lives and he's coming for you. And Paul is saying, you have to know that you have an enemy. You have to know how he is coming for you so that way you can come for him. I am desperate for my friends to know that you're not just meandering through life, that God has a purpose for you. It kills me to think that there are people in this room tonight that don't believe they have a purpose. God loves you and he has a purpose for your life. And I know, I know it might be hard to see that, but you're being deceived. He's disguising himself. And he's trying to destroy your life in any way that he can. And so we, Christian, have to fight. We have to ready ourselves for battle. This is how we fight our battles. We know our enemy. We get proactive, not reactive. We go on the offense because we got Jesus. We fight with truth because we have God's word. We get up and we pray before we post on Instagram. We as Christians, we get up and we turn to the word before we go to work. So many people will spend hours and hours working their life away and spend five minutes in a Devo, wondering why they can't fight off the enemy. We turn to our Father for guidance and decisions before we turn to our friends because he loves to guide us and his children. We have weapons, but we have to use them and we have to know there's an enemy I'm gonna ask y'all to do this. I did this right before, during worship. I just set my alarm clocks. I got three, three alarm clocks and they all three say, armor up. And I just ask you tonight, like, let's remind one another, like go on your alarm clock and just remind, say pray, armor up, put your armor on, or just say you're in a battle or fight your battles or whatever you have to write. I I mean, I'm talking like, let's screenshot that thing, share it, whatever you gotta do to remind each other, hey, don't forget you're in a battle. There's an enemy coming for you. He's coming to destroy your life. And so Paul says, since he's coming for you, we have to prepare. And here's how we prepare. In Ephesians 6, continuing in verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm. A soldier without armor. He's using this armor illustration going on with the war zone. He is saying a soldier without armor is vulnerable to attack. You've got to put on your armor. You've got to get ready for battle. That tells me, and it communicates to me, that there is a responsibility on the Christian to ready themselves for battle. That you have to proactively get up and make a choice today, flesh in Satan or life in Jesus. He gives us a choice. And every day you have to decide which one you're gonna choose. And I love that he emphasizes that you have to put on the whole armor of God. He's like, hey, just in case you're wondering, there's no good to like put your helmet on and then just be like, charge! Like you're gonna get shot everywhere else. Like you gotta put it all on. And that means that it's very important that you and I, I must just walk us through each piece. And he's saying, hey, each piece is so important for the Christian life. If you choose to follow God, like each piece is so important to protect yourself fully from the schemes of the enemy. And so take heed. I think so many of us one day want to pick like, well, here's truth today, maybe. And then I'll put on like this, the shoes today. Cause they look, you know, good. You know, like I'll put on this piece or this piece. And I don't want to do all of that. That's like radical Christian stuff. And I would tell you, you need to be cautious because there is no room for a part-time Christian when you have a full-time enemy. He is full-time. He does not sleep. He does not stop working. He is working around the clock, 365 days, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And he's coming for you. And so are you ready? Paul would say, this is how you get ready. So let's get ready. He's writing this chapter in this book, as I said earlier, he was chained to a Roman soldier. And so like, I guess the inspiration, everyone, you know, back then knew about Rome is very powerful empire. And so he's using this like metaphor of a soldier's outfit, the armor. And it's just so funny. I picture that moment of him like chained, like what if like his good hand was chained and like, the church in Ephesus was like, man, his handwriting is just really bad. Like, you know, he's just writing with what he's got. And I picture the like, soldier, like seeing him, like, you checking me out? Like, and he's just like working up and down his armor. I know this is weird. That's how I think. But <laughs> he's looking at this Roman soldier and he's describing these elements in the way in which they put on their armor. And I believe that what he describes here is exactly what you and I should wake up with every day and put on as we prepare ourselves for battle. So the first one, he says, having fastened on the belt of truth. The belt of truth. I mean, you guys know what a belt is. A belt's purpose is to hold everything together. They actually say that the smartest like commanders of this time would tell people to go in the night and cut the belts of the enemy. That way when they attacked, They were spending all their time trying to hold up their trousers and couldn't fight and they were vulnerable. Because if you don't have your belts, you can't fight. The same way, Paul is saying, if you don't have truth, you're gonna fall to lies every single day. The Satan, like Satan loves to send lies. He loves to tell you that you're not worthy, that your past is too messed up, that, that he just loves to give shame and guilt and remind you of your decisions. And he feeds you lies. Those people don't like you. You would have been invited to that thing. Or maybe if you looked a certain way, you'd have more followers and you'd be more influential and you could start that business. Well, hey, maybe if you worked harder, you could be more successful and you get that attaboy from dad. And he feeds you lies and lies and lies. And I have watched our generation and generations under us following and being deceived by Satan for far too long because we don't know truth. The world and culture tells you that you get to form your own truth, that there is no absolute truth. If that's your lived experience, if that's what you think, if that's your opinion, then that is your truth and don't let anyone tell you different. That's what the world tells you and that is baloney. That is a lie from Satan. There is truth. And if you call yourself a Christian, then you have agreed to follow the truth founded in God's word. It is everything you need for decisions, for guidance, for how you live. The problem is we want to pick our truth because we don't like the parts of the Bible that contradict our life. And you want to tell the Bible what you're going to do. You don't want the Bible to tell you what to do. You don't want God to tell you what to do. And you're vulnerable and you're getting attacked because you don't know truth. Truth, that belt, it also holds up the next piece of armor, the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is a word that like, people don't talk about a lot. It's, it's righteousness basically just means right living for God, like living rightly for God. It's the same idea as holiness. And people like, it's, it's not fun of the young adult ministry to talk about righteousness. It's not very sexy. Like, hey, like do the things the Bible says, like live right. And that's so sad because when I choose to not wanna live rightly according to God's word and what he says is best for me, there's something in me that doesn't believe that he wants what's best for me. In righteous living, living rightly for God, it it infiltrates every other part of your being. The breastplate in these times would go from the neck to the knees and also the back. That means that it would cover the major organs of the body. It would also cover the most important organ of the body, the heart, and the heart pumps blood into the rest of the body. And so Satan knows if I can get them to live disobedient, disobedient to God's word, then I have them right where I want them. If I can get them to live wrongly and not trust that God's way is the best way, I have them right where I want them. If I can have them convinced that they can go out and get drunk and be hungover at church the next day and get their God fixed for the week, I have them right where I want them. And what he does is he, he creates this watered down version of Christianity where you get to have God and your sin. Like you get to have God's way and your way. And you get to kind of like come back and forth. And it's like a balance beam where like, you get to like, today I'm gonna to like be my way. And then I'm gonna go be like, oh God, I'm so sorry. And then like, I'm gonna do it for you for two days. And then, oh, go out and do my way. And then, oh, and this is this exchange back and forth, back and forth. And he has you right where he wants you. That's not righteousness. God says the best way to live, where you get to experience full life is by right living according to my word and what it has for you. The problem is, is we don't like that. That's not fun. It doesn't always feel good. And you're susceptible to getting attacked by the enemy because of it. The next few, I'll kind of go through quick. It says, as shoes to your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, the shoes of this time would have little spikes on them like, like cleats. And I love that he says that these were, they put on in the readiness given by the gospel of peace. What he's saying there is, These soldiers were ready for battle because they had grip because they could stand firm. They didn't slip. They didn't slide. They could run and proactively chase down their enemy because of the grips on their shoes and the grips was given to them by the gospel of peace." This tells me that Paul is telling us that if you believe that Jesus Christ left heaven and came to earth and died for your sins and was buried and rose again, conquering sin and shame once and for all. And if you believe in that, you now, your life can be marked by peace and you can run against any battle. You can run towards any enemy because you have a firm foundation on your life that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're slipping and sliding through life, if you're sinking in quicksand, If you don't know how, if you can take another step forward, it's probably because you haven't preached the gospel to yourself in a long time, or you've never received it before in your life. The gospel is the only grip that we can have that can give us the confidence to run into the battle. And the result is peace every time. The next thing in the armor is, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. I find this so interesting that Paul gives the caveat in. All circumstances, you need the shield of faith. Why does he say that? Like I said earlier, Satan knows that you are most susceptible and he sends his weapons that are the fiery arrows that Paul describes into your life. The temptations, the lies, the hard things in your life. He brings them upon you when you're going through really hard storms, when you're going through really hard circumstances, that is when he aims and fires. And so the way that you fight that weapon and do not fall back into fear is that you stand in faith because you have the shield Of faith, knowing that God is with you. You have faith in Him, not in your circumstance. That's what the shield of faith does. That's what faith in God does, is it it defends off the attacks of the enemy on your life in every circumstance. If your life is marked by just a roller coaster, that when life is good, you're good, but when it's bad, man, you're bad. I would ask yourself. Does faith in Christ mark your life? Do you have a shield to protect you from those arrows? And he says, take the helmet of salvation. We know that a helmet protected the brain. It protected the head. You were in a lot of trouble if you took a blow to the head. If anything messed with your brain, the brain, it deals with your mind. And Satan loves to attack the mind. Assurance and salvation that you are saved from the attacks of the enemy. That helmet is where it protects you in the everyday battle. And then lastly, our offensive weapon that he gives us. You cannot go to battle without a weapon. And he says, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The word of God is the sword of the spirit that we fight and we attack the enemy. I think so many people, when the enemy t- attacks us, we're like, oh my, well, what was me? I, I can't, I'm in such a dark cave, I don't know what to do. And we forget the power that we have through the Holy Spirit. We forget that what Christ offered us through his blood on the cross. And now when I say the word of God is a sword, I'm not talking about like, I'm God, like with your Bibles, that's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about this right here is a weapon How do we fight our battles? The word of God, the Holy Spirit speaks through us. And when Satan comes and offers us nothing but lies and deceptive things and all those different things that he tries to do to attack us, we get to stand upon the word of God that does not change. And the reason why you change, the reason why we fall, the reason why we lay prey to his attacks is because we don't know the word. We'd rather read some self-care book before reading the book. We'd rather watch a one minute sermon to get our fix than going and reading and studying the characteristics of our God. No wonder you don't trust him. You don't know him. You can't trust someone you don't know. This is how we know our God. This is how we see his love for us. This is just one big masterful love book. Sure, Satan is masterful and he's crafty, but God is beautiful. He's the master. And when you read this, you see that he has such a plan for you. And suddenly when Satan comes and he tells you, you're not worthy or that no one wants you, you get to speak the word of God and it acts as a weapon and it pierces the lies of the enemy. There's power in the spirit of God inside of you. And if you felt weaponless, if you felt defenseless, and if you felt like you have been hit and dragged down by the enemy, I would ask yourself, Do you have the spirit of God in you? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Tonight, everything can change for you. You can get on the offense, you can get up and you can charge the enemy and you can have a sword in your hand. That can be free for you tonight if you receive it. Everything can change about your battle. I started off this talking about that story with my dad. And when I heard that scream and I realized that there was an enemy in the woods, Everything changed. I told you about my awareness, but that wasn't the only thing that changed. I looked down and I realized if a mountain lion attacks me, I don't got a gun. And I looked at my dad and I was like, that's the bad man jamming with the gun. And so what did I do? I no longer just walked behind my dad. I got right in the smack as close as I could in front of my dad. And he's behind me holding this gun. I remember looking back and being like, Okay, yeah. Come on, mountain lion. I start telling you to try. Got my dad back here. And the reason why I went there. And when I look at this verse and it says the spirit, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I want you to think back. Like it could be really easy to read these verses and go, oh my gosh, like this is a lot, JD. Like tomorrow, like I'm gonna wake up and what if I forget to like, what if I believe a lie and like arrow or like what if I don't, what if I do something wrong? Like, should I have like reminders every 30 minutes? Like, how do I do all of this? And we have to rest in the beauty of the first verse of this passage. Verse 10 says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Paul was genius to list out these articles of the armor because all of these articles point to Jesus, the belt of truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. The breastplate of righteousness, Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. The shoes of peace, Romans 5 says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. Christ, the shield of faith. Ephesians 2 says, it's not by works that we receive salvation, but it's by grace through faith that we are saved. The helmet of salvation, John chapter 3 says, for God did not send his son Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. It's through Jesus that we have salvation, the sword of the Spirit. Because of Jesus' death and burial and resurrection, all who believe in him no longer have to live according to their flesh, but according to the Spirit, because the spirit of God now can come inside of us and he's the one who fights. It's Jesus who fights on our behalf. And so when you're putting on the armor of God, you are putting on Jesus and it's him. It's his responsibility. It's his delight to fight for you. Everything changed about my confidence and the way that I pursued my life when I knew that my dad was behind me with the weapon ready to attack the enemy for me, nothing feared. I was fully confident walking forward in the same way we have an opportunity to have confidence in the spirit of God inside of us that it's him who fights on our behalf. And my fear is that so many of us wake up and we don't live like this is true. We don't access the power that we have through the word of God. We don't access the faith that's possible in the midst of the storm and we miss it. We miss all that we have because we're being deceived, because he's disguising himself a little too well, because he's doing everything he can to destroy our lives. But when you put on the armor of God, when you wake up and you say, I will not live for Satan and his schemes today, I am living for the son of God and I'm letting him fight, everything changes. But how? Every day, making the choice. You're believing that we know, if you're a Christian, you know the end of the story, just like Satan knows. You know that the war ends with Jesus, the victor. The Bible says that he is gonna come back riding triumphantly on that white horse, sword in hand, and he's gonna claim us, the church, once and for all and Satan and sin and the demons will run and he will banish them to hell forever and sin and its hold on the world will be no more at the name of Jesus. But though we know the war is conquered by Jesus, it doesn't mean the battle isn't real today. It doesn't mean that we don't have a part to play. And so Paul ends, everyone says there's six pieces of armor. I'd actually argue that there's seven. He ends with 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Supplication just means prayers. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Prayer is how we access the spirit of God to come and fight our battles. That's how we fight our battles. We pray. Prayer postures our heart and it humbles us and it causes us to open up our hands and say, God, I need you to fight the battle today. I'm putting on the armor of God, trusting that I am putting on you, Jesus, to fight on my behalf. I can't do it on my own, but you can. Second Chronicles seven 14, I'll end with this, says, if My people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Our land is in desperate need of healing. Our generation is searching and longing. And God just says, if you would trust me, when Satan sees Christians who are willing to get on their knees and pray, he has no choice but to flee because he knows he stands no chance against the spirit of God. That's how we fight our battles. And so right now what we're gonna do is I just wanna take some time to pray and ask God to come and protect us, to protect this church, to protect this ministry, to protect our hearts, to help us live righteously I want us to ask God that he would give us the desires of his heart to live on mission for him, to no longer be deceived by the enemy, but to want to live for his spirit. And so I know that for some of you, I wouldn't expect you to walk up to me right now if we didn't have a relationship and like hug me and talk to me like we've been best friends forever. And some of you don't have a relationship with God. And I get that praying, especially next to people might be a really weird and uncomfortable thing. And so it might just start, simply start and start simply. Just start by opening up your hands and saying tonight, God, will you help me? For some of you, you've been comfortable and you've been seen by the enemy for too long and you need him. You need God to wake you up and revive your soul and to bring you back to your first love. Pray for it. And so whether you wanna stand up, whether you wanna lift your hands, whether you wanna get on your knees, whether you wanna open up your hands, if you just wanna sit there, I'm just gonna give us a chance to stop and pray and practice and believe God and take him at his word that he says, if my people would call on my name and pray, I will hear them. I will heal their land. I'll forgive them of their sins. God, we need you. Take a moment to pray now. Almighty God, the protector of our souls, our shield, our sword, our conqueror, we need you. Would you reveal to us where we have believed the lies of the enemy for far too long? Would you wake us up? Would you make us more aware of his schemes? I pray that tonight people would not receive this message and it strike fear and scare them, but you'd use it to prepare them, that you'd make them more aware so that way they can prepare for battle and fight the good fights. We know that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And so you are the one we trust in God. You are the one that we live for. May it start here in Dallas, Texas. May you use the people in this room to say it ends here. The generational sin ends here. The anti-Jesus culture ends here. We will use our platforms to declare of his name. We will use our workplaces to declare of his name. We will use our stories to proclaim of his name. Because God, you are the one we live for. And if there's anything that we have believed that has taken us from you, would you open our eyes to it tonight? If there's a person who doesn't have a relationship with you and they've been following the world and not the word and not you, not your son in his blood, would you speak to them right now? God, we come fully confident in you, in the blood of Jesus. Understanding that it's through you and it's through your spirit, that is how we fight our battles. The darkness has to flee at the name of Jesus. So we ask right now that would be done as we worship and respond. It's your name that we pray, amen.